Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. Our telephone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And that's at Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. If you want to check me out on social media, feel free. I check out the comments, even the nasty ones. I don't always write back, because there's an old saying that says, don't feed the trolls, uh, because they'll probably come back (laughs) if you feed them. So I don't. But uh, there's uh, some military conflict the United States has been involved in, and uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, uh, It's a relatively new story. Uh, We're also going to talk about tanks and could it be fighter jets that are going next to Ukraine. I would think that's exactly what they need in order for the uh, United States to kind of say, look, we're not involved in this, uh, but making sure that they get that air support, I think, would pretty much nip this thing in the bud. It would allow them to hit Moscow. It would allow them to to have at least use the threat and the leverage of saying, hey, we can hit Moscow. So I think that's something, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But right now, I want to get to uh, just some of the domestic policy that, that's going on, or you know, domestic politics and news. Um, so yesterday, we found out Adam Schiff wasn't going to sit on the Intel Committee. Of course, you know, when um, the Republicans had the majority, I guess 2018 or so, he was a ranking member, and then um, when things changed, he became the chairman. And, of course, Chairman Devin Nunes was the chairman who became the ranking member. And he was called out by McCarthy and yesterday, and we're, we're likely going to get to that. Um, but he's decided he's going to run for Diane Feinstein's Senate seat. Now, what's interesting about that is I think he tried to do it in the past or hinted toward doing it in the past, and There wasn't a really warm reception, so I'm curious to see how it's going to go. One of our guests said uh, they don't believe that that could even happen. He's not a person of color, and it'll never happen in in the left-leaning California. We shall see. I'm not sure if that's um, definitive or not, Uh, but there is a, a, a looming question of what will happen. I do truly believe that people are tired. People are tired of... The drama. People are tired of of what's happening. Yesterday, I mentioned uh, this censorship of of AT and T kicking Newsmax off and saying, you know, they're doing it for the sake of of uh, negotiation, cost cutting measures, this and that. Right? When they did it to One American News, they did it in the name of these people are spreading misinformation. And again, at the time, that seemed to be a, a winning strategy. People believed that type of thing. 
But I think as more and more people realize and they're saying, you know what, this stuff, this bombshell stuff that we see with James O'Keefe, right, just story after story coming out with James O'Keefe Project Veritas doing the undercover reporting. Today, um, they were approaching the the same guy for a follow-up in typical Project Veritas fashion, right? There's always another shoe to drop. And the guy totally, um, he just wigs out, totally. Uh, I wish we would have, I mean, it's more of a video than an audio. You can't really see what you could hear. You know, I mean, you could hear, you could see it, but you couldn't really hear it. But basically, uh, James O'Keefe approaches this guy, uh, the, the gentleman from Pfizer, who's in charge of research and development, who he captured on tape, um, saying that, well, you know, we, uh, we basically um, were, were considering mutating the virus ourselves so that we could go ahead and, and um, create a vaccine for it. And the person uh, posing as, as a suitor for this person uh, asks him, well, that sounds like gain of function. And we played a little bit of it last night. Maybe we'll play more of it later. Uh, and, and to which he responds, well, we're going to, um, you know, we're, 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 we're considering that. And, and the, the whole idea here is that you would have a pharmaceutical company uh, literally mutating a virus so that they could sell you the cure. I mean, this is as insidious as it gets, right? This is every conspiracy theorist's dream come true. And all those people who yelled at people uh, that even thought about things like that and said, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, all those people have to make a choice whether they go, wow, you were right, or B, they say, you know, I'm not saying anything. You know, I don't care if you're right or not. I'm going to hold on to my position and go down with my ship. And there's a lot of people like that. But needless to say, when uh, James O'Keefe approaches this guy, the guy freaks out. He starts pleading with him. And well, we'll get you the audio eventually. Uh, but he, he uh, it's from like an hour ago, or maybe a little more. He, he tells him, he says, look, man, I was just lying to try to impress somebody I was on a date with. And I think, you know, that will appeal to some people. Some people say, oh, you know what? That is true. You can lie. Um, but I think most people go, I don't really lie when I'm on a date to impress somebody. So I think most people are going to say, you know what? You're, you're a person of, uh, of weak character, to say the least. And and this it doesn't look good for, for Pfizer. It doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look good for the American people who've had to deal with this. And I guess the bottom line on a story like that one is, it, obviously, it's a developing story and there's more to come. There's always another shoe to drop. But this, I think, opens the door for the American people to say, I've had a lot. I think I've had enough. I'm tired. I'm tired of the media lying to me. I don't like Fox News. I don't like CNN. Because I think there's a lot of people that are in between that are like, oh, they're all a bunch of liars. It's crook A or crook B. And they don't care. And they're totally apathetic towards politics. They just don't care. However, I think those same people are saying, wow, looks like, you know, the, the crazy um, what are, ultra MAGA, semi-fascist um, ext- MAGA extremists might be right. Right. Trump was right all along. And I think we see that clearly, and we'll play the audio of it um, a little bit later. But the the idea now that every Democrat or Democrat surrogate or strategist is out there making the case that, well, you know, I mean, look, you're finding them at Pence's house. You're finding them here. You're fine. Look, it's not such a big deal. Oh, no, but Trump was selling nuclear codes. Oh, but he's not. Uh, nobody's yelling at Trump anymore, right? And maybe a few diehard crazy lefties are still holding on. But he was obstructing. He was obstructing, I tell you. But I think at the end of the day, most people are going, wow, look at that. Trump was doing exactly what they're all doing. And he's the only one of them that was actually president. 
He's the only one of them that actually had the authority to declassify things. So I think more and more uh, people look into this, the more and more they see, hmm, this just doesn't look like it's a, it's a safe or fair story. So we're going to continue that, that line of um, discussion because uh, there's a bunch of clips of audio that I want to share with you on that. Uh, but I also want to bring to your attention some um, interesting stuff that's going on in the world of health, right? A new study comes out, says two-thirds of Americans don't get the exercise they need. That's a pretty big number, you know, 67% or something like that. Big, big number. Uh, another one that says, and again, these are not surprises, but interesting that they're telling the truth finally. Junk food rewires your brain. So we're going to get to that as well as something called ozempic face. Uh, this is where people are losing weight very quickly and uh, they're losing weight so fast they have to get like facial fillers and go to like plastic surgeons and whatnot uh, in order to kind of look normal again so they don't look like a corpse. And uh, that's horrible. You know, I, I can't imagine going through that. I've lost some weight. I lost 50 pounds doing the keto diet and uh, I'm still OG original gordito, keto gordito now, but um, I'm just 50 pounds lighter. And I can tell you, you do it over time and you don't really have any rapid, uh, saggy skin in your face, but some people are having that. So we're going to talk to that and we're going to get with the good Dr. Dahlia Wax on that one. And uh, we're also going to talk about George Soros and a couple of other really interesting stories because, you know, I think we talk about George Soros a lot, but we never drill down. At least I don't drill down because I hate to glorify the bad guys. But we're going to get to all of that and more, plus Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about the tanks that were sent to Ukraine, what's going on with these in committee assignments, because he's a former spy, of course, and uh, the classified docs. I haven't gotten his take on that, so I want to hear from him on that as well. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. So there's a, a number of, of things that I want to discuss. I want to discuss the the tanks that were being sent to Ukraine. I want to discuss the potential for uh, fighter jets to be the next thing that different Western countries uh, might be sending to the Ukraine, as well as uh, the Intelligence Committee and uh, how that's shaping up, kicking Swalwell off, kicking Ilhan Omar off, and um, kicking Adam Schiff off, which I think is probably the, the biggest gain. And we discussed that a little bit last night, but I really want to drill down a little bit now because not from the national security perspective, but more so from the intelligence perspective, right, as well as classified documentation because um, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer was the um, national security advisor to Trump's 2020 campaign, uh, but he's also the, the head of the London Policy Institute, and he's also a former spy. So I want to get his take on things. Lieutenant Colonel, welcome, sir. Hey, Rich, always great to join you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So I want you to hear uh, this clip uh, from, I guess we'll start with the Intel Committee. And uh, I want you to hear Adam Schiff uh, kind of whining, and I want to get your reaction to that. This decision by Kim McCarthy 
to bow to the demands of the most extreme elements of his conference uh, and use the Intelligence Committee as this kind of political uh, plaything doesn't show the strength uh, of his speakership. Indeed, it shows the weakness of his speakership, uh, that he is so beholden uh, to the most extreme uh, elements of his conference. Uh, and it bodes, I think, uh, poorly for how he'll conduct uh, the remainder of his speakership for however long or short that may last. So, <laughs> yeah, not only is he snide and he sounds like he's been slighted a little bit, uh, but um, he, he just sounds like he's really, really offended here. Uh, what say you, Lieutenant Colonel? He should be offended because uh, he leaked classified information. Uh, within the last 24 hours, Mike Pompeo went on Fox News. And I know Mike, I advised him while he was director of CIA and said Adam Schiff uh, actually leaked classified information. I believe he did, uh, based on my knowledge of what was going on during that time. And what's worse, Rich, is he lied about intelligence, which didn't exist. He actually would go out and say constantly that there was some uh, some report or some intelligence somewhere behind the scenes that would validate and verify that Donald Trump was colluding with Russia. So he did uh, multiple things wrong. And I think uh, he's lucky he's not being investigated for having, I think, uh, violated his intelligence uh, oath of office and the documents he signed, according to Mike Pompeo. So I think uh, I think he's getting off easy. I do, too. And and here's the thing, I guess. I think this is where the American people, you know, they, they throw their hands up. They they have a big exhale, a big sigh of, 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 of not relief, but more of exasperation because they're just saying, you know what, I, I'm done here. Uh, all these guys do the wrong thing. Nobody ends up getting held accountable. I think all too often people think everybody should be in an orange jumpsuit behind bars. And, and that's just not the reality of, of accountability in Washington. So, I mean, your take from being a person that's been on the inside and has made a career in the national security and intelligence space, uh, how often have you seen people be held accountable for leaking classified information? Well, none in Congress ever. I mean, look, I've been a whistleblower. I've had to testify both in open and closed sessions. I've seen people leak information that I provided them that I knew was classified via the media from members of Congress. And yeah, Rich, it's, it's a, the issue is Many of us uh, take the oath of office. We do our best to protect the country, to do the things that we are asked to do regarding collecting intelligence, doing special operations. And yet when you get to this policy level, uh, you you have people like Adam Schiff, uh, Eric Swalwell and others who, with impunity, violate the rules and simply use any information they have to benefit themselves and their political party. And, yeah, that's why people are fed up with it. I'm personally fed up with it. And it, it, something's got to give. And again, I think uh, Kevin McCarthy stated clearly why Schiff was off the committee. Uh, I think it's a valid argument. But again, I, I think he needs to go back the other way. I think somebody, these guys for actual violations of Title 18 regarding using information, releasing classified information to people who were not authorized to have it should be held accountable. And it seems to me nobody's willing to do that. Do you feel that people don't enforce uh, the, the rules that are on the books when it comes to these things uh, like, you know, releasing, disseminating classified information because they will immediately say, oh, you're coming at me politically. This is a witch hunt because I'm not in your party or I'm your political opposition. And because they're afraid of that charge, uh, they decide, all right, we're not going to do it. And I, it seems to be it's hands off from each side, right? Republicans don't go after Democrats. Democrats don't go after Republicans. Nobody goes after anybody. 
That's what they do. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a game played so that neither side is willing to hold the other accountable because, you know, when it comes time that their side violates it, they want to get the free pass. I don't agree with that system. I think it's very dangerous and detrimental to our political, to our, our uh, to, as Adam Schiff says, the, 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 the democracy. We actually have a republic, but it does mm-hmm. do huge damage to that because in, in the end, You've literally compromised uh, lives of individuals who, who have served this country. You've uh, blown operations. Heck, John Brennan once blew an operation by briefing media on the phone, where we actually had assets inside of al-Qaeda, and he talked to the press about it. John wow. Brennan didn't suffer any consequences. He went on to run CIA. So if you get above a certain level, it seems like there's just no interest in either side holding the other accountable and that's something that we just, you know, it's, it's like the mono party at this point, and yeah. neither side is willing to do the right thing. Yeah, lamentably, I think it's, it's not a political issue. I think while politics are at play, I think you see this in, you know, if you were a plumber and worked in a large plumbing company or, or whatever, I think you're ultimately always going to find people that are like, look, I take my job seriously. I'm going to do it by the book. And others that go, ah, listen, everybody makes mistakes. What are you going to do? Huh? Come on. <laughs> and, and they're just so forgiving and not willing to, to hold people to that level of excellence and to commit to, to doing things the right way. And it's a shame, in my opinion. All right. So, Colonel, I want to, um, I guess, start to get a um, or maybe I'll put the question out and then we'll, we'll get to your response in the break. Sure. Uh, but. Uh, I want to go from this classified uh, information on the committee to classified documents. It seems everybody everywhere is finding classified documents. Uh, so I'll give you a moment during the break to check around, look around, you know, move a few things, dust, you know, <laughs> dust some furniture off, see if you know you got some classified documents sitting around there, and um, and and get your take on you know why why on earth uh, this has become such a – it seems to me sinister is really what I'm getting at. It seems somebody somewhere right. was like, let's use this to go after Trump. And then they said, oh, and then maybe it's the same person, maybe it's another person, says, you know what, let's do it to Biden. And now it doesn't work on Trump anymore. At least it has a lot less effect because people, you know, the, the innocent people on the sidelines watching this are going, what's going on here? It's like a clown show. Right. Then Mike Pence says, hey, by the way, I found some too. You know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it, it makes me think, is he doing it for press? Is he doing it to stay relevant in this race that he's about to get into? Uh, I, I don't know. I have a lot of questions for you on that. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And plus, I want to get into the, the tanks and everything, obviously, uh, you being a military man. So uh, stick with us if you can. Uh, but what's your initial take on the um, on the on the classified documents? So I don't believe for a minute, Rich, these things have just been sitting in his garage for the past three years or his office. Uh, those documents were used. I don't know who used them, but they weren't just sitting there. And to your mm-hmm. point, yeah, I think there someone purposely let these things get found. Now, I think. Uh, one of the theories is the party, elements of the Democrat Party, recognize he's compromised and they want him out. I think that's a big part why the timing is right now before he announces to run for his next term of presidency. All right. Well, we'll continue to tug at that thread straight ahead. We're on with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Colonel Schaefer is the head of the London Policy Institute, and we're going to get his take on classified docks, tanks, and maybe even some jets. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. night with rich valdez obviously i can't comment on any specific investigation uh, but we've uh, had for quite a number of years any number of mishandling investigations uh, that is a, unfortunately a regular part uh, of our counterintelligence divisions uh, and counterintelligence programs work uh, and and people need to be uh, conscious of the rules regarding classified information and appropriate handling of them it's those rules are there for a reason all right, so that is Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI. And I just think, you know, imagine if your police chief in town were to say something like, well, you know, look, uh, you know, we did a traffic stop or check-in for seatbelts. And at our checkpoint, uh, we, you know, we concluded that people that have seatbelts uh, really ought to be more conscious of the rules and wear those seatbelts. I would look at that police chief and say, you're a clown, sir. Uh, what, what do you make of this, uh, Colonel Schaefer? <laughs> well, he is a clown, and that's the point of this whole exercise. That's why they went early on, if you notice, to appoint the special counsel. Uh, Rich, that special counsel isn't there to get to the bottom of this. It's to uh, isolate it and make it as uh, least damaging as possible. And the the real issue, the kryptonite, if you will, of the whole situation is where they find the nexus between Hunter Biden's activities and those classified documents. And I think it's coming because there's several uh, emails in the Hunter Biden trove off his computer that uh, look like they took direct excerpts out of highly classified, top secret, uh, special compartmented information, National Security Council uh, summaries, uh, analysis, and just word for word, word, put them into email. And that's why you see them not rating Hunter Biden. That's why you see them being very cautious. And let me tell you, if the shoe was on the other foot, and they thought any of Trump's kids had classified documents, they would be raiding them right now. And you can see the complete difference and deference, I would add, to the uh, the Biden family and the way they're doing this so-called classified document search. Yeah, you know, but that's really interesting. I mean, what you're talking about, and I, I want to um, dig into that a little bit more because uh, it, it's sure. obvious to me and it always has been obvious that it's not a fair game, right? It's not a fair game. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Just it, it, it just it's never a fair game when you're trying to do the right thing in Washington, and and those that do try to do the right thing, they figure out a way to marginalize you because you're getting in the way of the guys that are doing what they do. You know, guys who don't do anything else but that. <laughs> and by that I mean you know working in the swamp and making their living in the swamp, and you know, and, and there's a lot of ways to make money. So I, I get it. I really do. It's a self-preservation issue. Um, but, but I think, I don't know, I feel that this Hunter Biden thing, it's, it's been brewing for so long 
it was initially presented to the American people the wrong way as, you know, the, the president's crackhead son, he's with prostitutes, he's this and he's that. Right. And I think people were sympathetic to it. They were just like, you know what? Yeah, I know a lot of people who have kids with drug problems. And, and I think the real issue really was, you know, the president's son is, is getting money through a backdoor deal and we've got to look into this. And I think now some people are looking and I'm just wondering, is it now because, you know, we're they've already lost the uh, the midterm. Um, they're hoping to get it out of the way now so that they don't have to focus on it when it's time for election time next year. I'm not sure. What, what's your thought on that? So, yeah, I think there's about to be a civil war in the party because I think some people see the issues you just laid out. And I think some people feel they were lied to because even though I think uh, the Biden uh, information was presented in such a way to, to create sympathy for Hunter, folks weren't told the full truth about what was on the hard drive. And I think some Democrats some I've spoken to feel very much lied to, and, and they wouldn't have voted for Biden if they know what they know now. And so I think you have the potential. Some are saying Biden should run. Some are saying that uh, Michelle Obama should run. Some are saying Gavin Newsom should, should run. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, as you probably saw in the poll, beats Biden in a poll that was came out today. So I think there's some real issues that the Democrat Party are going to have to deal with. And I think that's why this card was played right now, this whole uh, classified sure. information card to really muddy the water and create uh, some circumstance for Biden to, to, to potentially resign over kind of, you know, serial wrongdoing of all these documents or, or uh, fight it out and uh, see what happens. It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, two months because I think they're going to have to sort through this pretty quick, obviously, because I think, you know, they're going to want someone to declare for presidents before too long of who they're going to run for in the in the next cycle. So. Right. I mean, honestly, it's music to my ears and not because I'm rooting for their team to win, uh, to lose rather, which I am, but more so because there's actual competition, right? You have one faction that's saying, let's do this. And another one saying, no, let's get rid of Biden and do, you know, go with a winner. So it's good to see that. But now tell me, uh, let's go over this Hunter Biden stuff again, because sure. um, it sounds like there's criminality. And do you think he's able to walk away from this? Just go, oh, I don't really know. I don't know. I was high. I, I have no idea. Yeah. So I, I, I know from what I've seen on the on the hard drive and the people I've spoken to who have been involved in some of the investigations is that, yeah, there's ample evidence of criminal wrongdoing. I mean, the taxes that by themselves could have put him in jail and someone paid them off, which is another question, like who paid off his taxes for him <laughs> right. to get him out of arrears? That's a that's a question that's not being asked. Just, you know, just saying. And then his artwork and, you know, Jim Jordan and the, and the Republicans are going to start digging through some of this stuff. And while they have no uh, law enforcement authority, I think they're going to make things so so obvious of what was going on that the American people are going to demand something be done because it's just so obvious that while he was a crackhead, he did sleep with prostitutes, got several, you know at least one pregnant. Uh, he he was using his, leveraging his uh, his father uh, Joe Biden's office for purposes of, of gain for the family. And so I think that's the real issue here. And I don't know if you, you're probably not old enough to remember Spiro Agnew, but Spiro Agnew left office because of corruption that existed before he became the vice president under Nixon when he was governor of mm. uh, the uh, mayor of Baltimore and the governor of Maryland. So these things can come back and bite people. Yeah. Well, Baltimore is a, is a tough part of town. It doesn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. Uh, now I'm, I look at this and and for whatever reason, I think, you know, the the issue, again, isn't so much um, Hunter Biden in so much as it is um, Joe Biden. 
right? Right. <laughs> and, and I think that's the big issue here is do we have a – if your son – I think it's kind of understood, right? If if your son is the, the son of a famous person, rock star, president, whatever, they're going to be like, oh, let me you know, bring your dad to dinner. I really don't think most Americans – I'd say 8 out of 10, that's my gut uh, – would say, yeah, you know, come on. If, you know, if your dad was president, you know, of course your kids are going to try and you know, put you out there. Um, and maybe not for business deals or whatever, but you know, if it helped to sweeten a deal, to close a deal, come to a dinner – uh, I think a lot of people would be open to that. But this goes way beyond anything like that, right? This this is right. really – these deals are fake. These deals are literally well, kickbacks to Biden. Right. You don't put your son on, on an, Air Force, an official Air Force aircraft and then facilitate his meetings both in Ukraine and in China uh, where deals – literal deals come out of that uh, a week later. And that's clearly corrupt. And uh, Biden himself even said on tape, this is on tape, that he got a prosecutor in Ukraine fired because he was going to look into the Burisma Corporation and some of the things that uh, were going on with uh, Hunter Biden. So he literally uh, did what Trump was accused of doing and was impeached for. So these things are not trivial. And again, I think it's something that needs to be examined. And the Democrats, I think, may be recognizing uh, internally this could come out. And gee, the last thing we want is a president who's going to be compromised. We may want to just force him out now using classified information as a convenient excuse before this other stuff really gets bad. So I think that may be what's going on. Yeah. Now, um, Wendell Husebo, he's a writer with Breitbart yesterday, puts out a piece that says Kamala Harris's silence on the Biden document scandal raises questions uh, and suspicions. And, and I tend to agree with that. I think uh, she's been silent. I always felt like she was uh, Obama's person in the race. Uh, I think he's been kind of silent on this. So with, with that silence, does that um, – it, it leads me to at least suspect that Biden might be the one that's behind a lot of these documents. Hey, there's check here, check there, look for this, look for that. Uh, I mean uh, Obama might be the one throwing Biden under the bus. What do you think of something like that? I think it's very possible because, again, I, I look if you look at the Camilla's numbers in the primaries, they were low. I mean super low. And yeah. yet somehow she ended up vice president. And Rich, between you and me, you know, look, I know Tulsi Gabbard personally. I, you know, Tulsi was still a Democrat back then. If they really wanted a strong woman who actually understood how to articulate, make speeches, understand national security, they could have picked her. But clearly she was not Obama's person. So I think your instincts in this are, uh, have a valid uh, – your intent is going up probably probably are valid in this case because I think there's something to it. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it, it's uh... – it's just interesting to see how it's going on. I guess Biden was only as good as he was while they needed him. Yep. And now that he doesn't look so good, it's like, all right, listen, thanks well, for coming look, in. Look, I, I've, I've met him, and I've look, I've been in, in uh, the New York Excella station with mm -hmm. him. I've testified for him. That man is not the man in office, just saying. I mean, it, it, he is, he is uh, greatly compromised mentally, and I just don't understand people see this every day. And I think that's one of the dangers we face right now. And I think some Democrats are waking up to that fact, too. So. All right. Uh, stick with us, uh, Colonel. We're going to discuss these tanks and uh, these rumors now that there might be some jets going to Ukraine. Uh, we're going to do all of that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. We're on with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer uh, from the London Policy Institute. And we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night 
with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Our telephone number is 833-4-VALDEZ with an S, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Doc, how are you, sir? You're on with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer and Rich Valdez. Welcome. Only on this show could I give an education, Rich, and speak to a man of the stature, Colonel Schaefer. Colonel Schaefer, you're an American hero. I followed you all all, all along from your, your book, Operation Dark Heart. I myself have some military experience going back to the 70s. Uh, I'm not of your, your stature, sir. But I want to ask you two things about Ukraine, since I, sure. I'm of Ukrainian heritage. Um, if we give them F-16s in quantity, and if we give them Abrams tanks, and if we get the Germans kick in with Leopard tanks, A, can that turn the tide of battle? But B, if it does turn the tide of battle and they defeat the Russians decisively, to be blunt, Colonel, kick their butts across the border back to Moscow. Would Putin do something then radically drastical, drastic against the U.S., in other words, lob a nuke at us? Your thoughts are that you're military, and I'm not. Thank, thank you. you uh, great question, and thank you for your service. And the answer, let me answer the second part first. If Putin starts losing, yeah, I think there's a good chance he's going to use a nuclear weapon. I've talked to a number of the Reagan folks who I still, you know, who were part of President Reagan's nuclear team, Dr. Chris Lehman, Ambassador Hank Cooper, who were part of that team. And the the issue is, of course, brinksmanship. Does does Putin have the 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 potential goal to do it? The answer is yeah, because Ukraine's not NATO, uh, and there's a belief in Moscow right now that if uh, he uses a nuke in Ukraine, nothing we will not retaliate. That's the belief. I'm not saying I have no insight on what the policy is right now regarding what we would do, but they're banking on that fact. So if they start losing, sure. Regarding tanks and other new technology, sadly, no. Uh, as I was talking to one of uh, another radio show the other day uh, in Toledo, uh, the guy pointed out uh, that uh, 31 tanks couldn't defend Toledo, let alone the, the steps in Ukraine. And so it's, it's, it's a pittance. It's a joke. Uh, I've been on a reforger, return of forces to Germany back when I was a young lieutenant back in 85, not 85. And just the logistics necessary to to create uh, a force, a large force that would be effective against Russian armies, you're talking about thousands. Right now, the U.S. Army has uh, 2,000 first uh, top of the line M1A2 Abrams with all the new technology. We have another 3,000 in reserve. Unless you're talking thousands of tanks, 31 is not going to make a dent. And it's it's a real issue. So I this is what we're we're in a, a, a cycle much like LBJ in 1965. LBJ was personally running the war in Vietnam from his office, had little maps of rice paddies in, in the Oval Office, and he was incrementally increasing our strength there. He never got ahead of the threat. And so we're doing the same thing here. This is all eyewash. And so uh, it, and by the way, Mark Milley and uh, uh, Lloyd Austin, Secretary Austin, both advised against this because of the very thing I'm saying. And I rarely agree with those guys. And in this case, I agreed with them because you've got to either decide you're in this to win it or don't don't give pretense or hope to people who really do want to win. And I think this is unfair to the Ukrainians to just kind of dribble this stuff in. And these things aren't going to show up in the battlefield for another six months, probably, from the timelines I was told about today. So, Wow. Doc, thanks again. Great question. Uh, Colonel yeah. Schaefer, let's let's dig into this a little bit, uh, because yeah. I really uh, I d- 
I always have doubted that Putin would go to that length only because I feel like Ukraine's not that big. And should he have a misfire, something spill over into Poland or somewhere else, he's got a huge problem on his hands, right? He would. And that's that's something they do want to avoid. You're completely correct. But this is the thing. A small tactical nuke, one, say, the size of Hiroshima going off would be a warning to us because of the very thing the caller asked. Would would they consider an exchange on us? And the answer is no, but they would do things to intimidate us to make sure that we won't even consider doing something. And it would be Putin being Putin, who he is a thug. You know, don't, never, I always tell people, don't take any words I say about the Russians in a positive way, recognizing that Putin is a thug. But the Russians do have uh, sufficient interest in Ukraine to intimidate the EU to say, don't come here or I'm, I am so crazy, I'm willing to do something to take us past that brink. So that's why I think he might do it. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting take. I, I hadn't looked at it like that before because I felt like it, it almost seems like he's, he's, he's guaranteeing his own demise because it seems like it's a very unpopular move. And should the Americans, I feel like if there was one thing Joe Biden had to make a move on would be a nuclear attack from Putin, right? I'm just thinking, imagine you're Joe Biden and I agree with you. The, the media yeah, turns to you and says, hey, what are you going to do? Well, we're just going to let it work out. What does he say? I think I think that's the issue. I think Biden has shown such serial weakness, Afghanistan, backing down to the Chinese. There's all yeah. these things that indicate to Putin that now I can tell you. He would not do it against Trump because Trump personally pulled him aside. I got this from a good source next to Trump that pull, he pulled him aside and said, if you do anything that antagonizes me, I will do something against you and it will be direct. It was a direct threat to Putin. Putin's a thug, Rich. He, he only understands yeah. force. So unless you make it very clear that I'm going to hold you personal accountable – Right now, he sees Biden as weak, and, and that's the most dangerous thing, is that in Putin's mind, I'm not saying it's a reality, but the perception is in Putin's mind, he might be able to do it and get away with it, and that's what makes it very dangerous. Tony Schaefer, can you stick around for another three or four minutes? Sure, absolutely. All right. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're on with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Uh, we're about to wrap up with him. I want you to know exactly where you could find him and uh, put a pin in this conversation about uh, weapons to Ukraine because it seems to be um, escalating. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. at night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer from the uh, London Policy Institute. Colonel Schaefer, great conversation. Um, I, I, I really learned a lot. I, I agree that Putin is a thug, and I didn't think he had it in him. I thought he was just, a, you know, a bully. Um, but if uh, he's going to use a dirty bomb in Ukraine, no bueno. That's... Uh, Really, uh, you know, now I, I see the alarm because I honestly didn't believe it was coming. But in the minute or so we have left, let everybody know how they could follow you and support the work you're doing. So, yeah, LondonCenter.org is our primary website. Uh, we're also doing something called Project Sentinel. Uh, that's uh, ProjectSentinel.net. Uh, and we're working on the spectrum of things that we talked about tonight, everything from energy to 
to um, constitutional issues and obviously national security. So uh, I think your your audience can go there, check out what we're doing. A lot of stuff, a lot of new content. We have a good uh, group of folks simply trying our best to educate people on the realities we face uh, as best we can with no politics, Rich. I know it sounds sometimes like political, but sometimes just speaking the truth becomes political when you're faced with people who don't want to hear it. So I appreciate the time with you and your questions and your audience always being very happy to, to discuss and every, all the things going on. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I've learned in this business and in life in general is that when you want someone who's bombarded with politics, but is able to kind of shed the politics off, shake it off and still get you the real story. It's a military officer because they deal with that on a regular basis and they still have to survive. Right. Irrespective of whoever's in office, you have a job to do. So, uh, Colonel, a pleasure as always. I want to thank you for being with us tonight, sir. Sure. Thanks, Rich. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to get into a conversation on, um, Bad, bad man, Jerry, not Jerry, George, George Soros, uh, the man behind the curtain, a book by Matt Palumbo. He's, he really digs in uh, on pulling back the curtain and going inside the secret network of George Soros, seeing what's behind it. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. Up next, a conversation on George Soros. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and our telephone number if you want to get in on the conversation here. Uh, it's a late-night town hall that uh, where you get to be heard, and I love hearing from you. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ, that's 833-4-VALDEZ. Now, I want to uh, ask you a question. What do you think it costs to change the entire criminal justice landscape, or at least a good percentage of it. Ding, 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 the answer is $40 million, right? When you spend $40 million, you're able to uh, control probably close to 20% of the prosecutors in America. And when you have all this crime that comes from certain concentrated areas, well, it makes uh, all the sense in the world that you have places like New York City and other places, Philly with Larry Krasner and others, where these prosecutors are taking a back seat to prosecuting. And it's, it's a sad day uh, when that happens, but it's happening. And really, you know, you got one man and his uh, evil, dark network of people that support this, and it's George Soros, right? George Soros has funded so many of these district attorneys, these uh, local-level prosecutors, and in effect funded their opposition, got their opposition elected, and now owns a bunch of prosecutors, uh, for lack of a better word. Now... Matt Palumbo, he's an author, he's written several books. He's written about George Soros, and in his latest book, 
he uh, kind of exposes everything that's going on here. The book is The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. Matt Palumbum, welcome to the program. Rich, thanks so much for having me on. You bet, my brother. Now, Matt Palumbo, you, um, you, you've been writing for a long time. I've seen your work all over the place. Um, but what, what inspired you to say, you know what, I'm going to dig in on George Soros? Well, you know, he's always been, and you know, the left will call him a boogeyman character as kind of poking fun at us, but he, I mean, sort of actually is a boogeyman. And, sure. you know, he's just, he's just someone I've always seen things blamed on. Um, and then, you know, there, there were claims that I could sort of easily validate about him, but then some that seemed a bit more hyperbolic. So I just kind of thought, like, well, I mean, I know this guy spends billions of dollars. I, I think he's got an empire. Let's just, for the American public, see what's true and what's not. And there's no need to, you know, overstate our case or, or you know, misstate it when there's so much out there. And then I think there's um, the most recent book critical of him before mine was, I think, around 2010. It was by uh, Richard Poe and David Horowitz. Well, the Shadow Party. It's a phenomenal book. So I just kind of used that as a starting point and just thought, like, well, what would I do if I was going to update their book with everything since then? And I just kind of uh, turned it to my book. Got it. Well, let's take it step by step. We've got uh, two very long segments together, and I, I want to make sure we, we, we get the story the right way so you don't have to rush like it's a TV segment. I really want to sure. dig in and get the understanding. Uh, the... Let's, I guess, how do you start the book? Does it start with, like, the origins of why he's this human uh, Dr. Evil, this real-life Dr. Evil? Um, is that part of the book? Because if it is, I'd love to start there. Yeah, I just kind of start talking about it as early life and philosophy. Um, you know, is, is well, you're, his, his, there was a sort of this intimate story about him, and this is actually one of the first ones I wanted to go into, was him, you know, allegedly working with Nazis as a child in Hungary, and, you know, the the argument has sort of been overstated as Soros was a Nazi. And, you know, those people who say that are, are I would say, directionally correct. He certainly collaborated with them. Um, there, there is a lot, you know, in fact, uh, he's, and some people might not know what I'm referencing, but there was an infamous 60 Minutes interview where Soros is asked, asked for the host Steve Croft um, about how when he was a boy in Hungary and the Nazis occupied Hungary, um, he was actually given a task of handing out deportation notices to Jews, um, notices that their goods would be confiscated. Um, and the host almost tried to give Soros a way out and kind of be like, well, you know, surely you just did this because you had to and you must feel horrible. And Soros gave this very, like, cryptic, just soulless answer of, no, I did it. And, you know, if I didn't, someone else would have. Um, so that got a lot of negative press for Soros. Glenn Beck actually kind of drew a lot of attention to it. Um, and Soros has done damage control since to sort of, you know, walk back that. So, I, you know, I wanted to look into it and see, well, you know, kind of reconcile the contradiction. And I found that Soros' own father wrote an autobiography and details the encounter. And it's, it's way more like the 60 Minutes version of the encounter than his sort of about face claiming he was out of context. And in fact, if you look up like mainstream news articles about what I'm describing, every article will claim it's out of context. So I have the full, manu you know, the full uh, script in the book, and, and it's clearly not. Where, at what point... Where in his journey does um, Soros decide to get involved in American politics? Right. So he was always involved in, in European politics, like in a, you know, the, the breakup of the Soviet countries. And there's always been sort of this myth that some people will try to sanitize his image and say, like, you know, he helped all these post-Soviet countries become capitalists. Um, the truth of the matter is there is an enormous amount of corruption in splitting up those assets when those countries broke up. Um, Soros was kind of buying them for pennies on the dollar. 
Um, but then he went into America sort of making, you know, relationships with the Clintons in the 90s. I mean, he's been on stage with Hillary Clinton, with Obama. There's no real secret here. Um, his biggest, you know, initial foray into American politics was he backed uh, John Kerry with tens of millions of dollars and uh, actually made some remark that he would he would risk his entire net worth to get George Bush out of office. Um, obviously, we wish he would have because he would have lost uh, e- either way. Um, he's also backed Hillary Clinton with tens of millions of dollars. Um, and then Joe Biden, in one of the articles in the, the Post series I have this week, argues that Biden is probably the most Soros-connected. Um, you know, like Clinton had connections to him, Obama did, but Biden's, I guess, senility, uh, I think, lends him more susceptibility to influence. And then I point out that, you know, even if you go back to the transition team after the election, when they, he had, you know, you have a transition team for all these different government agencies need to prepare. Yeah, I remember it was uh, called for, the Office of the Vice President-Elect. <laughs> And everybody was making jokes about that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So 17 of the people who headed those agencies have worked for either groups that were founded by Soros or funded by him. Um, Another big group, too, is the Center for American Progress, which is kind of like the left heritage foundation. But it was funded. Yeah. So it it was founded by John Podesta. So it's very uh, engraved in in Clinton world. But it was also heavily funded by Soros. And their current president was actually the former president of Soros's uh, Open Society Foundation. So they're, they're very highly linked. Um, and the reason I mention them is because uh, uh, Biden's outgoing chief of staff, Ron Klain, and Neera Kandon, also in his administration, um, both had higher up positions there. So they're all in that sphere. And, you know, I, I think, you know, what, well, what's the evidence that this had impact on Biden? Well, you know, he's always been a man of the left. But if you were to compare his views today to even his views under Obama, you know, it's sort of like center left versus progressive. I, I put it, you know, uh, earlier today, I think I said, you know, he takes sort of the Biden will just mindlessly adopt the views of any 20 year old progressive. And I, I feel like someone's got to be in his ear. because It's just it's almost bizarre for a man of his age to adopt many of the views he has. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He seems to kind of go, yeah, that'll make sense. Sure. Yeah, like, and he just goes with it. Talking. When he's talking about, like, transgender rights, I'm like, there is zero percent chance this is something that popped into your head as a topic to talk about. Like, if someone had to have told you, run with this, because it's our party wants this. So I definitely see evidence of it there. Now, let's talk about um, why, why did he choose to get involved specifically in changing the district attorney's offices? Well, so that's the thing. And you, you mentioned earlier, you spent 40 million on 75 races and, you know, 40 million sounds like a lot of money. But Soros over his, his career has either spent or donated 32 billion. And the, the sad thing, we're, we're sort of, um, I guess, should be grateful he hasn't spent his money as, you know, quote unquote, efficiently as he has in his DA races, because his success rate is excess of 90 percent. You know, these are races where, uh, unfortunately, no one's really paying attention. And if they were, none of these people would probably get elected even with the money because how insane they are. But it, he has proven that the way things are now, you can buy a DA's race relatively easily. It costs a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, 200 grand in a DA's race will get, you know, will move the needle way more than 100 million would in a presidential race just because of the, you know, the, the size and the turnout and those factors. But the, the brilliance of it is there's no, you know, when you're a DA, you have, basically total autonomy on what laws get enforced and, and how they get enforced. So if you have a certain, you know, weak on crime philosophy, instead of going through a legislature or a mayor or, you know, any governmental process to pass a law for what you want, you just fund one guy who, because, I mean, you gave them money, he's already in your pocket, and they basically do whatever you want. And, you know, the 
you could just go through one of these prosecutors and it's almost a metaphor for everyone else. I mean, in 2020, we saw, you know, while it is true, crime was up nationwide in these cities. It's far more pronounced anywhere else. It was mostly double in most of them. And, you know, I, I pointed out too. you know, the the philosophy they will try to justify is if they do try to justify it as all at all is they'll say things like, you know, why are we focusing on speeding tickets when we could be prosecuting murderers? And, you know, we, we know they're not that philosophy doesn't work because the, the cities that claim they're going to do that are the ones where we see the most increase in both those types of crimes. So uh, the whole philosophy is just nonsense. And uh, I think Soros must know better. I mean, he's a finance guy. He works with data and there is not a single data point in favor of what he's been doing. What do you think the end game here is for, for Soros? Do you think he uh, continues to invest in these elections? It seems like he's going to, do you think he continues to win? So, I mean, we're in the DA, certainly. Um, So in around a couple of years ago, Soros actually donated $18 billion to his own foundation. Um, And he's, you know, 92 years old. So I kind of see that as a sort of secession planning. Um, And it seems like he's he's positioning his kids uh, to take over. So his son Jonathan is on the board. Or, sorry, his son Alexander is on the board. And if you just go to his Instagram page, it's it, he's a mini, he's literally a mini Soros. It's just a who's who of Democrat politicians uh, and, and world leaders. Um, that he's just kind of hanging out with. So he's, I mean, so already sort of his father's ambassador to politics and is, is well poised to take over his empire and continue what's already going on. All right, folks, we're on with Matt Palumbo. He's the author of the book. Uh, where'd it go? Here it is. The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. I recommend going on Amazon or wherever you like to buy your books and pick up a copy and pick up a second one to give away because this is the type of thing people ought to know about and want to know about. Matt Palumbo, stick around. I want to get into some of the other stuff you've got. You've got another book coming out in the summer, and I want to talk about that where you're fact-checking the fact-checkers and discussing how the left hijacked and weaponized the fact-checking industry. So don't go anywhere, folks. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you want to join the conversation we're having with Matt Palumbo, uh, he's the author of the book. I'm going to give you the new book now. Uh, the fact-checking the fact-checkers, how the left hijacked and weaponized the fact-checking industry. Matt Palumbo, tell us about this one, because you know I always thought fact-checking was a part of journalism, right? And if you were a reporter, fact-checking is just, that's what reporters do. You report the news by checking the facts and doing some research. Uh, but it seems that that's become a cottage industry in and of itself. So that, it's funny you say that, because actually one of the common things about fact-checkers is a lot of them actually are former journalists. Um, but the thing we know about journalists, at least I saw one poll that something like 7% of them are Republicans. Um, so that same dynamic is going to carry over into fact-checking. And, you know, my, when I started the book, I had, you know, a lot of data just showing, objectively speaking, they target Republicans way more than Democrats. And I just kind of thought, like, well, what's, what would the liberal objection be? And their objection would be, well, it's because Republicans lie more. So it's like, all right, so the challenge of the book is, well, prove they really are inconsistent. And that's pretty much the entire book is showing, A, they don't know what they're doing, um, and B, they're inconsistent. So, so one example I have early on is 
um, you know, a case where PolitiFact fact checked an identical claim. One was spoken by a Republican, um, one by a Democrat, and they got the exact opposite rating. Um, so Jim we- or, uh, Ron Paul, obviously a Republican, said that you know before the before 1916 there was uh, no income tax, uh, which is true. There was no you know federal income tax. Um, PolitiFact rated that false, and their their reasoning was. Well, there are other taxes and they affect income. So there's an income tax. Now, when <laughs> right. yeah, exactly, yeah. So so here's the thing. Jim Webb, a Democrat, makes almost the exact same comments. And you know, there was no income tax before the you know, nineteen sixteen. And they said, Oh, well that's true because there was no income tax before nineteen sixteen. So <laughs> it, the, the the party makes a difference. And then like I, I try to get creative where like I, I correlated who they were going going after during like the 2016 election cycle and who was like the biggest threat to liberals. So when Trump and Cruz were sort of neck and neck, they fact checked Trump and Cruz negatively, identically. And then once Trump starts to pull ahead, they moved 100 percent of their resources towards Trump and stopped attacking Cruz. So it was just like a blatant example of, okay, whoever the front runner is, is a threat to you. um, And and, and that's what you're going after. Uh, I mean, another example was, and this is my favorite, was um, they did like eight fact checks um, claiming to debunk Republicans who said that um, uh, you know Obama was lying when he said you could, if you want to keep your pl- or if you want to keep your you can keep your plan if you want to keep your plan under Obamacare. Um, so PolitiFact did all this stuff defending Obama, and this was before his plan was even passed. So it's like how could you possibly know? And then after you know it turned out he actually did lie. Um, PolitiFact does this segment every year called the Lie of the Year, and their Lie of the Year was Obama's statement, and they never acknowledged they themselves that it was true years prior. So these are the, you know, the, the caliber of people we're dealing with, um, and they're just, there's really none of them that are in any way confident. It seems like it's whatever is expedient or convenient uh, is what they'll fact check. Yeah, and, and one thing, too, if, when you read a, a fact check, if you read it and say to yourself, I think the conclusion was written before the article, it makes a lot more sense because they will stretch logic. They'll, they'll use, do things incorrectly. I mean, I saw one article recently. I did a whole economics section where they were doing like a measurement on the national debt in like today versus the 1800s. They didn't, the guy didn't even know to adjust for inflation. So just all these little things that – and the thing too about fact checkers is they're sort of jacks of all trades. So, like, they don't have an economics correspondent being an economics fact checker. They take the 22-year-old journalist and just go, okay, you're, you're fact-checking law, economics, philosophy, et cetera. And it's just something no one person is really capable of. Unbelievable. Folks, we're on with Matt Palumbo on Twitter. He's at Matt Palumbo 12 If you want to check him out, give him a follow. And uh, we're discussing his book that's coming out this summer. Uh, this is not the same book as the Soros book we talked about. This is the book coming out in the summer called Fact-Checking the Fact-Checkers, How the Left Hijacked and Weaponized the Fact-Checking Industry. Now, was this one of those things uh, funded by Soros or by some other boogeyman on the left that said, you know, we've got to either create this industry or take over this industry to use it for our benefit? Yeah, so actually there was a year where if Facebook employs fact-checkers to screen content, um, there was a year where in, in Central and Eastern Europe of like the 18 Facebook approved fact checkers, something like 11 were source backed or funded. Um, wow. So there's so influence there. And then the, the Pointer Institute, which is PolitiFact's parent company, has been funded by Soros in the past, among other donors, to be fair. Um, but the, the one thing is, I, I, if you type Soros's name in PolitiFact, every single article is either uh, is it ne- they never fact check anything Soros says or anything they only fact check negative things about him to then claim they're not really true. 
There, there's nothing, you know, there's probably two dozen or so tactics with his name. Not a single one says anything negative about him or portrays him in a negative light. It's all viewing it as conspiracies, which is what all the other media who funds kind of portrays any, any criticism of, of him as as well. Well, Matt Palumbo, I, I, I love reading your stuff, uh, whether it's the, uh, the Soros book, The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. And folks, if you're listening, uh, grab a copy of that. I think it's, a, it's an excellent uh, book. Buy two. Give one away as a gift. And also check out Fact Checking the Fact Checkers, How the Left Hijacked and Weaponized the Fact Checking Industry. I love uh, reading your pieces on BonginoReport.com as well. You do an excellent okay. job. Matt Palumbo, thanks for being with us, brother. My pleasure. Have a good night. You got it. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about how this weight loss drug for diabetics is causing people to have saggy faces. And two-thirds of Americans aren't getting enough exercise. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Dahlia Wax is coming up next with me, Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, welcome back America. It's me, Rich Valdez. I'm still here. Thank God, I'm still here. All right, let me check my hair. All right, it's not there. Let us uh, continue our conversation, right? And I do welcome your calls if you want to give us a call. But I wanted to um, get into a few things. I, I, somebody sent me some articles today and very interesting things. And I, I read through half of one of them and the other one. I said, oh, my gosh, i got to flag this for later. And I said, I've got to get an expert in here, somebody who knows what's going on, somebody who's dealing with patients. And who better than Dr. Dahlia Wax? You know her as the host of the Dr. Dahlia Show. She's a, a longtime Jimbo Hannon favorite here in this time slot. Dr. Dahlia, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I wanted to get into a couple of things, right? Because there's this, there's a couple of studies out, and we'll take our time with it. We've got three segments, so we'll tackle something in each segment. Uh, but the first one uh, that I, I, I heard it was, it was a video somebody sent me earlier where Apparently, people are either abusing or using it as off-label, the um, diabetes prescription drug known as Ozempic. And one of the side effects that they're facing is something they're calling Ozempic face. And this is taking um, TikTok by storm. People saying, oh, I'm getting Ozempic face, and it seems to be like a, a really big deal. It's been in the New York Times and Business Insider and People Magazine. It's all over the place. And... And again, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, is this uh, a question of Ozempic causing it or is it a question of too much Ozempic causing too much weight loss too quickly and, you know, losing all of this elasticity? I don't know. Help us understand. Exactly. No, no. You And you worded it beautifully. You know, Ozempic is a medication that we have used in diabetes to help lower fasting blood sugar after one eats, stimulate insulin. So it's supposed to help diabetics lower their blood sugar. Well, we found that they seem to be more full and some of them had weight loss. So just like what happened with Zyban and smoking cessation or Viagra, which originally was a pulmonary hypertension drug, we found that Ozempic or medication similar in that class could be used for weight loss. And boy, did it go crazy. Hang and on a second, Dr. Have- Dahlia. I didn't know that. 
Uh, let me just jump yeah. in here. So you're saying that if somebody had pulmonary hypertension, they would take Viagra and they're like, oh my gosh, doc, I'm having a side effect. Is that what, is that how yep. that happened? Yep. It released the Kraken. <laughs> yep. It released the Kraken. And they were like, whoa, we can make some money on this one. That is and so funny. So, I saw that in a movie. Didn't think it was true. Go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think Clash of the Titans inspired us with that one. But yeah. So, so it's no surprise where medications could be repurposed and used for other things. And so with Ozempic, once people saw, wait a second, I could feel full. I could lose weight. I don't have to necessarily take a fentramine or a controlled substance that acts like speed. This is great. The problem is, is there's a couple things that we've been seeing with it. Number one is it's pretty expensive. Number two is there are side effects. You could get a pancreatitis. You could get diabetic retinopathy where it affects the eyes. It could affect the kidneys. Mm. But people are complaining that they're looking older than they used to. Why? Well, because they've lost weight. They've lost weight in the face, as you said. And when you lose weight in the face, you might not have that elasticity or that you know compliance of your skin such that you don't get that bounce back. And so some people look like they're a little older. And so, you know, even though Ozempic or Wigovi or Revelsis can make one maybe improve their biological age, physically they might look a little older. And that's what we think, that's what they're calling quote unquote Ozempic face. Got it. All right, folks, we are on with Dr. Dahlia, drdahlia.com. She's on social media at Dr. Dahlia, and that's Dahlia with an H at the end. And we're talking about this, this trend, this fad, this thing that's happening all over the uh, internet. And certainly all of, just Google, it's all over the news in the last day or two, uh, Ozempic face. And it, it seems to be happening. Now, listen, I, I, I took interest in this because a friend of mine who has zero interest in talk radio, zero interest in anything. I've just known this person since high school uh, and told me, you know, I was at the gym and somebody told me they can get me this, this Ozempic. And I was like, why are they diabetic? Cause I've seen it on TV. <laughs> and, and they said, no, 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 no. Uh, nobody's diabetic. You could drop a lot of weight with that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's intended for that. And they were like, yeah, it's, it's in the gym. Nothing's ever intended that way. I was like, oh, wow, things are crazy. Uh, but, um, it, it, it stayed in my ear. And then I saw an article about this and I said, oh my gosh, I want to do a, a segment on this because I think it's a really interesting thing because there might be more people that are at the gym with people telling them, hey, psst, 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 I got the Ozempic, you know, and then all of a sudden, yeah. hey, you look like you're 80, you know, <laughs> what's going on? We got to call Dr. Dahlia. So uh, what, what do you recommend here? People are using Ozempic on label because they're diabetic or even off label if their physician thinks that they need it for weight loss. Um, I guess there's some rule of thumb where they should use it slower. Well, yeah, and, and, and you're, you're bringing up some great points. Even though the FDA is now approving um, medications such as Wagovi for weight loss, which is similar to Ozempic, we, you, it only works if you use it. So what ends up happening is people will gain their weight back within a year or two once they stop. And we don't have studies on if you could take this lifelong. And so my worry is we have the whole fad jump on the bandwagon aspect to this. I am a huge fan of people losing weight. I'm a huge fan of people, um, you know, decreasing their, their carb load and, and junk food load. And if the medication helps save lives like people losing weight, I support it. But you have other people that are trying to get it, like you said, in the gym without doctor or medical provider supervision. And once you start it, just like any weight loss medication, once you stop it, you can gain the weight back. So it really takes some choreography, some you know psychological training on how to retrain the way you eat because I don't think you could take this medication lifelong. We haven't had studies lifelong. So right. it, what sense. happens when you go off of it? 
Right. Now, this Wagovi, this is um, similar, you said, but that's designed for weight loss, right? For like people that are, you well, know, I guess morbidly obese. Interesting. Yes, interesting. Actually, Wagovi is the same medication as Rebelsis, but it was FDA approved for weight loss. Just like Zyban for smoking is Wellbutrin. Same drug, but repurposed The stuff they use for depression? For a new indication. Mm-hmm. Wow. So these medications, these medications used for one thing get repurposed for something else. So it's the same drug um, wow. as, as Rebelsis. But Wagovi is FDA approved for weight loss. Fascinating. That sounds like a whole show in the making right there. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. and how those things happen. All right, folks, yep. we are on with Dr. Dahlia, Dr. Dahlia Wax. You could get her at Dr. Dahlia on Twitter. Uh, DrDahlia.com is her website. Check it out. She's a wealth of information. She's the host of the Dr. Dahlia Show. And we're coming back. We're going to talk about um, this article I just saw. It said two-thirds of Americans aren't getting enough exercise. And I thought that's a ridiculously high number. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, – then there's this third study that's out that says junk food is changing the chemical makeup of your brain so that you can't even eat right. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, so I'm looking here, and it says Wagovi might cause hair loss, so I'm not going to be doing any of that. Folks, our guest is Dr. Dahlia. DrDahlia.com is her website. She's the host of the Dr. Dahlia Show. Dr. Dahlia, um, I'm looking at an article. I, this was in Yahoo. No, no, MSN. That says that two-thirds of Americans aren't getting enough exercise. And I guess I look at that and I think, all right, big whoop. Everybody knew that, but I didn't know the number was that high. If I had to guess, I would have said it's about a third of Americans, you know, that are, are not because, you know, you got some that are younger and still working and probably getting in shape. Uh, you've got kids that are playing sports. So I figured there was probably a third that was, you know, couch potato status. But according to this, it's two thirds of America of, of all Americans are in bad shape. What's up with that? So true. In this study, 28% of people are actually doing it right, working out at least 150 minutes per week, which is about maybe 20 minutes a day. And there's a lot of uh, consequences of that um, in terms of our national security. We don't have enough individuals who are physically fit because people just don't exercise anymore. Maybe it's because they're doing remote work. Maybe it's because they drive to work instead of walk or run. Maybe it's because of crime-ridden areas prevent people from wanting to go out and walk the dog or um, hike or, or, or be outside. And I think the number is going to rise and get worse. So obviously, and I, I know I don't mean to put the audience off and make them feel like they're uh, on a trip to a doctor's visit and they're about to get scolded, but – well, how do you advise your, your patients when they come in? I can tell you for me, look, I, I grew up in a typical Puerto Rican family. So there was rice and beans every day. We ate a lot. Not everybody was fat, though. I was. But, um, you know, my dad was in excellent shape, you know, until he was like in his mid 60s. He had a six pack. Uh, he worked out a lot. He was a very healthy guy. Ate whatever he wanted, fast metabolism. And so I took in in his tradition of eating whatever I wanted, but I didn't have the same metabolism. So, you know, I got wider and wider. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but I, I would go to the doctor and I remember he would, you know, grab me by my gut and tell me, he'd say, hey, this right here, you got to work on that. And he'd pat me on the belly. And, and he, but it was always very passive. So, it, you know, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe about seven or eight years ago. No, that's too far. Maybe about, yeah, six or seven years ago, I went to the doctor, a new doctor, and he, he, his song and dance was different. He had different bedside manner. He, uh, I, I'd known the family for a long time, and he said, you know, I'm supposed to do this a certain way. He said, but I, I just got to tell you. He said, I, he had, I had taken a physical with him, and he had all my labs, and he said, you are right on track for a massive heart attack or stroke by 50. At, at the time, I was 30, I don't know, 37. And, uh, and I said, no, no, stop playing, really. How does it look? And he said, I'm telling you on my medical license. That's, that's where you're going. And he said, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've dealt with a lot of guys like you. You guys don't know how to change your, your, your deal. You don't know how to cheat. You keep eating the pork chops and the rice and the beans and this and that. And you probably wash it down with some soda and this and that and the other thing. And he said, look, I can't, I can't change your lifestyle, you know, but that's where you are. And it was so sobering for me. And I was like, you mean I'm not allowed to weigh 269 pounds and drink soda and eat a lot? And, and, and he just looked at me like I was nuts. And it really finally kicked in. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I guess the fun and games are over. I'm going to have to take care of myself. So he put me on a diet and, and I lost 50 pounds on the keto diet. And I couldn't stay on the diet forever. Uh, but I did lose 50 pounds and I learned how to eat better and I, I take better care of myself now. But it was a very eye-opening thing. And, and it just makes me think. How, how do you scold or yell or counsel your patients? Exactly. And my uncle's Puerto Rican, so I had to, you know, have a similar conversation, too, that, you know, <laughs> skinny as can be until a certain age. And, you know, but yeah. it happens to all of us. And what I tell my patients is, is what I like to do, my conversation is rather than scolding, because some doctors do it that way. I like to go, you know, talk to me, teach me why you're not exercising. What is it? Well, that guy was walking his dog in Philly and he got shot at 7 p.m. And it's too dangerous to walk around at night. And I only come home, you know, at the end of the day. So it would be dark if I go outside. So then I suggest, well, what about a treadmill at the house? What about? So my job is to find options because people think mm. there's only one way to work out. They have to go jogging or they have to go to a gym or they can't afford a gym or they can't afford equipment. I go, there's tons of things you could do within your house to exercise. Movement doesn't always have to be jogging or skiing or bicycling. And, and there's, there's other options, but it, it does take a medical provider to you know, spend that time to get into their psyche and figure out what it is that's turning them off. I tell people dance, dance to songs on YouTube, throw a song on YouTube and dance and shake your tushy. That's exercise. <laughs> so, so there's so many different things people could do. I, I, I would agree with that. And I kind of like the dance thing. That might be a way to, for people to, uh, you know, kind of like Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies. Now, right. Straight right, ahead. right. I danced the baby got mm -hmm. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, who doesn't dance to that? That's that's a classic. <laughs> so, Dr. Dahlia, uh, and again, folks, we're on with Dr. Dahlia at Dr. Dahlia on all the social media. The the uh, and obviously w Americans need to move more and exercise more. And I guess, you know, you said that's your your job to help find those solutions. Uh, but we still seem to be a very, very overweight society and we still tend to be incredibly reliant on things that make us fat, uh, whether it's like, you know, high fructose corn syrup and all that stuff. Um, do you see, and again, I'm not um, 
advocating for a nanny state or for the government to outlaw corn or anything like that. I, I'm just uh, I'm just wondering, um, is it is it a uniquely American thing that we're as as fat as we are, as obese as we are, or is this happening in other parts of the world that you know of? Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's happening all over, and, and I think what does have to happen, like you said, not a nanny state, but maybe a come to Jesus moment where people realize that in the olden days we were hunters and gatherers, or we worked on the farm, or we worked in a factory, and just because we have tech doesn't mean it's okay to sit all day at a computer. Sitting all day at a computer just because that's what society has accepted as work is not good for our bodies. Our bodies were designed to always run and, and chase a zebra or, or, or climb the tree to get the fruit or to go and fish or to build. And instead, we have other people doing our work for us, hunting our food for us, fishing, and we sit at a computer. So somebody needs to kind of stand up and say, look, guys, even though this is what we do in 2023, that's not healthy. And you need to compensate by getting out there and working out or going fishing or working on your car. But you need to stay active. Yep. All right, folks, we are uh, continuing with Dr. Dahlia Wax, and I think she's right. Uh, I can't add too much because I'm guilty of everything she's saying. So (laughs) I'm I'm about to hit the treadmill right after this. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about how junk food might be rewiring your brain. And uh, again, I know that's got very little to do with politics, but I think we have to talk about these topics because they're of critical importance. So don't move a muscle. Dr. Dahlia and I are coming right back to you. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so a study... Uh, on studyfinds.com right here. Junk food's evil ways, high-fat diet hijacks the brain's ability to regulate appetite. Uh, This is coming out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, January 25th. Eating fatty foods like burgers, fried chicken, blah, 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 according to researchers, uh, has a ability, rewires your brain, reducing your ability to regulate your appetite and regulate calorie consumption. Doc, uh, in, in a minute or two that we have, um, does this mean people that are like on the keto diet, like I do occasionally where it's pretty high fat, but low in carb, um, I'm messing myself up. It could be, you know, it's interesting. We have suspected that junk food or high calorie food or processed food affected the brain. We would notice people might get more hungry. People might crave sugar more, may get depressed, anxious, have issues sleeping. But this is one of the very few studies where it actually saw changes in the astrocytes or cells in the brain. And this wasn't rats, you know, rats who were fed a high fat diet. And so most of the diets that we recommend in the medical setting are more like the Mediterranean diets or the DASH diets, which have a variety of foods. We understand people lose a lot of weight with keto. um, But unfortunately, if you do anything in in extremes and not have a balance, there could always be some consequences. So, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where if this was a study in rats, I wouldn't, you know, you know, be too concerned that that it means keto diets are bad. But it does remind us that these foods can manipulate our brains. 
Yeah. And I think it also, the way you, you approach it, right? I guess um, you probably can't go wrong with a ton of avocado, but you probably shouldn't do the full pound burger wrapped in lettuce, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you touched upon something about politics and junk food. I think yeah. politics are at play with the food shortages that we have globally. Sure. We are noticing a push to go to fake food and processed foods and junk food. And so I, I think the more we look at what's been happening with our food sources and food shortages, we might notice politics may play a much bigger role than we think. Well, you know what? We're going to have to have you back to talk about that one because we actually just touched on that with somebody that was uh, observing the World Economic Forum. And, and that was one of their major pushes was to get away from actual real food and go to this new type of food and eating bugs. And uh, and mm-hmm. I didn't know you were up to speed on that, but I'd, I'd love to have that discussion with you to see the, the health effects of it and get your opinion on it. Folks, Dr. Dahlia can be found on social media at Dr. Dahlia. DrDahlia.com is her website. And she's the host of the Dr. Dahlia Show. Doc, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for all you do, Rich. Thank you. You bet. Take care. And um, straight ahead, it's Open Phone America. We're going to talk about a lot of crazy stuff, the news of the day, and your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. Open Phone America starts right now. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at the end, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. You could check in with us there. I'm always looking forward to seeing your comments, even the um, the comments that are not. One guy called me a, what did he call me? A, a stupid-looking a-hole and went on to talk about my political positions and whatnot. But I thought it was really funny because I, I clicked on his picture, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> is it this the pot calling the kettle black? But anyway, I'm looking forward to your comments. I'm looking forward to your calls. The phone number, of course, is 833-482-5337 or 833-4-VALDES, V-A-L-D-E-S. You can always get us on the legacy line, 866-505-4626 as well. Uh, your calls are welcome to America's Late Night Town Hall where you get to be heard. And I'm, I'm willing to talk about any topic. I like to stay on topic with the flow of the conversation. But if you want to interject something that... Um, seems cute at the time. I'm, I'm all right with that uh, because I think it's important to have the discussions. And um, we just spent the last couple of hours having those discussions with experts in their respective fields. And now to me, it's, it's always about we the people. And that's you. You guys are we the people. Now, of course, things don't stop just because, you know, we're having fun in Radio Land. Things continue in Washington despite, you know, this one and that one getting kicked off of certain committees. There's still other committees going on to approve judges that President Biden is nominated and things like that. And one of the judges that uh, was nominated by President Biden is Charnel Bjelkengren. Now, she is 
uh, from Washington State, and she's been nominated to be a United States District Judge for the Eastern District of Washington. And, you know, and she's in the appellate court or the trial division, and uh, it's fascinating. So she's there in front of a Senate committee, and she's, you know, there to be basically uh, grilled, right? They're there for like a job interview with the United States Senate because the job is so important that they have to be confirmed per the Constitution by uh, the Senate after being nominated by the president. And I would say, look, if you're going into a job in the federal court where you're going to be using the application of the Constitution on a pretty regular basis, you should be well-versed in the Constitution. You should know what your position is on various arguments within the Constitution, whether you're a strict originalist or if you believe this is a living, breathing document, you should know all of these things ahead of time. But good old Judge Charnel Bjelkengren, she doesn't uh, seem to be as on her toes as we think she should be. Listen to this. Judge, on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts okay. presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. Yes, now, he, he is 100% right, and that is uh, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. Now, I've got to tell you, putting politics aside, I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, if you make your living hating Republicans or not, I want to know from you. Would you put your stock in this woman? Would you put your your faith in her ability to be an effective jurist in the federal court? I'm going to come out with a resounding no. And of course, somebody's going to push back and say, Rich, that's not fair. Even, you know, uh, the, even the best, most consummate professionals have bad days. Sure. Understood. I have them all the time. Listen, not every word comes out of my mouth the way I want it to. All right. Sometimes my, my tooth will stick to my lip. I'll forget the word. I'll forget how to talk. Things like that happen on a regular basis. But when you're at a job interview and you're asked two questions and, and again, I'm, I'm trying to be sympathetic thinking I'm pretty sure that she is nervous, but she didn't seem overly nervous. She seemed rather confident in her kind of almost denial of wanting to get into what's in the Constitution. And and I think this is an interesting thing because lawyers should know the law, in particular, the law of the land, right? The Constitution is the law of the land. It's not that – I mean I, I keep one in my briefcase. I have one not too far away from where I'm broadcasting right now, and I have a poster-sized one. I'm tapping it right now. It's on my wall. If you ever see me on, on television doing commentary on Newsmax TV or anywhere else, you'll see um, in, in the studio right, right next to me on the wall, it's – it's in a frame that's red, white, and blue. And here, and here it is. And I keep it there so that I can use it as a reference and, you know, and check it out. But my point is, that's me and I'm a broadcaster. You know, I'm not a federal judge. Shouldn't a federal judge, you know, keep something handy uh, 
and be really well versed in this stuff. So I'm just um, really taken aback here that this, and she's a judge right now, uh, Charnel Bjelkengren, and that's a soft J like the European way, B-J-E-L-K-E-N-G-R-E-N. I'm, uh, I'm really taken aback here at her inability to answer simple quest, uh, questions about, um, see right there, I just did it, questions rather than questions, <laughs> uh, about the Constitution. So with that, I want to go to one of our favorite callers, always has something critical to say. James in New York City, WFAS, go right ahead, sir. Good afternoon and good evening to all out there. Uh, yes, hi. sir. What are your thoughts on this uh, Judge Bielkengren not knowing uh, what's going on in the Constitution? Well, my experience with, with university-level uh, learning, I would say that she's failed completely uh, by responding in the manner which she did because uh, at least 20% of a judge's education uh, on any level is based upon, and experience is based upon, a knowledge of the Constitution, not somewhat, you know, overly imminent. You get experts like uh, Mark Levin, who are very acutely aware of the nuances of it. But even though uh, she should have had a, at least a fairly decent ability to recite something that would have made some sense. And it, oh, I think you're 100 percent right. It's very shocking. Um, and again, uh, again, as a producer for Mark Levin, you know, for for the five years I worked with him, uh, I can tell you I had to constantly refer. And this is the reason I have the pocket sized one, <laughs> because whether, you know, sometimes you're not next to Google all the time. And sometimes I don't always trust Google. I mean, you know, who knows if they decide to omit something the way they change Webster's dictionary every now and again. And I remember there'd be times where he'd be, you know, going really deep on things, uh, in particular during the um, Spygate, Russiagate fiasco. And uh, so I think you bring up a good point. There are people that, you know, live and breathe the Constitution, have been studying it since they were little kids. And then there's the rest of us that actually have to, you know, pick it up and reread it every now and again. And the fact that we have a federal judge that's up in front of a Senate committee in order to uh, get her job as a, a federal judge, uh, to me, is just shocking. And I totally agree with you, James. Yeah, the, the, the question I have is that whatever her particular political uh, interests in terms of parties, is she a Republican or a Democrat? I, I suspect by the level of her responses, and this is why I say it, I think she's a hard, hard Democrat, probably at least moderate to left, because many of these people like Judge Ketanji Jackson was very, very reserved on answering even the most simple, simplest questions and inquiries. If you looked at the whole transcript, she, she did a, a Judge Jackson here. Exactly. And Judge Jackson is it's very left leaning and we don't need any left or right leaning judges. We need people who are able and willing to properly interpret and apply the law as it is without any preference towards a political party or, you know, to be, to be not partisan. hundred percent, James, I think you hit the nail right on the head. We need people that will be constitutionalists, people that will uh, interpret the constitution as it's intended and be fair and forward and honest. I really appreciate the call. Uh, you didn't beat me up today, so I'll take that as a win. More to come straight ahead. The phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It is Rich Valdez, and uh, I want to talk about uh, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. Yesterday I mentioned that Meta, the company that owns Facebook and Instagram, had announced that they were lifting the ban, that he was no longer banned, and that he was going to be welcomed back to their platform. And uh, and he tweeted as much saying, you know, they made a good decision, even though they lost all this money since they kicked me out. And, you know, in true Trumpian fashion, it was a great it was a great message. He, he, he doesn't ever miss an opportunity to take a shot, which uh, is something that I admire, because I think so many of us think we we remain above the fray or or the, the grown up in the room or the bigger person by doing that. But yet I look back and I go, no, you just remain the person that doesn't win as much in, in as many cases. But uh, that's what he's doing. And he's welcomed back to to Facebook. And this has caused a stir with a lot of people, a lot of people commenting on things that um, really uh, are, are upsetting to to many people, not the least of which is good old Adam Schiff. And that's uh, his nickname here is Adam Schiff for brains. Now, Adam Schiff, he is on MSNBC yesterday, and he's saying that the only motive that Facebook has for reinstating Trump is to make money. Listen to this. On uh, Donald Trump going back on Facebook, you know, Adam Schiff has, you know, led uh, many of the efforts to try and uh, raise awareness around what it means to put Donald Trump back on social media, uh, because we know that his words have power and they inspire. And then the leaders in the Republican Party, like Speaker McCarthy, they don't condemn them. And so when they're not condemned, they're a green light and open lane uh, for more violence, uh, you know, to occur. And, and that's what's so concerning Enjoy right now. If I could just add on to that. I Please. think Facebook's decision to reinstate uh, Donald Trump uh, is inexplicable. Uh, it re- represents, in, in my view, a total caving in and copping out. Uh, the only motive I can see is a profit motive here. Uh, if you look at what Donald Trump has been posting on his own social media platform, all of that violates Facebook's policies. Uh, he's continuing to give aid and comfort to those who committed acts of insurrection. He's continuing to to spread the big lie. Uh, and the idea that somehow he would not do that on Facebook when he's doing it on his own platform, uh, to me, um, is, is a tragic decision by a company that is putting its profit above the public interest. All right, now I'm going to just come clean here and tell you that I've owned a couple of businesses. I actually show up to work every day. Uh, for many reasons, not the least of which is that they pay me to do this, right? Um, This is a very key fundamental distinction that I think we need to make because here's an interesting thing, right? The the purpose of Facebook, I'm sure that he's a genius kid. He's at Harvard. He's figuring things out. Let's make a thing where we make friends, a dating app, whatever. And they end up with this thing called the Facebook. And I watched the movie. I saw the story. Okay, got it. Understood. But let's not make any mistake that these things all exist for the sake of making money. Every enterprise exists for the sake of making money. Now, I know somebody's going to push back and say, no, no, it's my love of baking. That's why I became a baker. And in my and in fulfilling my love of baking, the byproduct is I get to sell my, my bread. And by selling my bread, I make a little bread of my own from my pocket. 
All right, that's great. You're an altruist. I like talking. I love connecting with the audience. I really do. I really do. I love it so much. I'd probably do it for free, right? Maybe like once a month or something. I'd volunteer something if I had a different job, but I don't. This is the one I have and I do it because I get paid. Like so many of you go to work every day to get paid. That's how things work. Companies exist to make profit so they could send their kids to school and feed their kids and buy a car and live life, go on a vacation. Anyway, I just, when I hear Adam um, Schiff, Schiff for brains, and when he says something like this only exists for the sake of profit, I, I can't help but think this has got to be one of the dumbest things that I, I've really ever heard. And it shows how they are. And, and Swalwell in the beginning of that clip saying, you know, that bringing them back is, is one of the worst things that they could do uh, because his words, right? Quote, his words have power and they inspire. Wow. So because the guy's words have power and inspire people, you've got to shut them down and keep them off of Facebook. I mean, this clip to me is so telling. And that's why I played the whole thing, because I didn't want to give you 10 seconds or 12 seconds. I wanted to give you the full minute long clip of it so that you had all the context and the dialogue between these two clowns. Because to me, this is so important that we realize this is what these people stand for. They're afraid. And when people are afraid of things, this is what they do. When I was a kid growing up, um, I hated being told this, but, it, you know, people would tell you, because I'm the youngest of a bunch, right? There's a lot of siblings and whatever. Uh, I hear, don't worry about it. Mind your business. <laughs> I hated hearing that. You'll understand when you get older. Um, and, and my dad, I would ask him things and he'd say, a ti que te importa, you know? And you, why does that matter to you? And, and, and I get it. And I think, those things come to mind right now, right? I hear these guys saying, oh, why is Donald Trump on Facebook? What does it matter to you? What do you care? You, you, you sell your, your, you peddle your goods, let him peddle his, right? That's the beauty of a free market. I don't get it. I just don't understand why people are the way they are. Let's go to Joey in Pittsburgh quickly. KDKA, go for it. Yes, how you doing? So Wonderful, I'm on thanks. my computer and I've listened to three different talk shows and I've heard the story about this judge. And I'm like, people are talking about the fact that she doesn't understand the Constitution. And I hear her quote, and it says, those are things I'm not familiar with. I'm like, no. The proper grammar would be, those are things with which I'm not familiar. I'm like, well, if she can't speak proper grammar, she doesn't understand the Constitution, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know what's fascinating, Joey, is that so many things that were once normal aren't normal anymore. Subject, verb agreement, right? If you were, I would bet anything that if you were to try and make any type of correction, they would say, well, first of all, you're a dinosaur, right? Okay, boomer, because that was correct when you went to school, but we don't do it like that anymore. Like, like for example, if you were to use cursive, right? Cursive handwriting, it's not a thing anymore to write in script. They don't even teach it in school. So, you know, this to me is one of those things where our vernacular has changed. Our academic standards have changed. We can see the standard of what's going into our professional positions. Uh, we're importing engineers. We're importing doctors. We're importing nurses. And uh, soon, I guess, we'll be importing judges because obviously the ones that are coming out of Washington State, at least this one, doesn't have uh, the understanding that she ought to have about the Constitution. Thank you, Joey, in Pittsburgh on KDKA. Big shout out to everybody there. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening online. 
And uh, anybody else, we're going to get to your calls in Ohio, in Oregon, in North Carolina, straight up right after this. So don't go anywhere. There's more to come. Our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. I'm looking forward to your opinions and your thoughts. And I promise I'll try and give you as much time as I can without cutting you off. But there's a clock that I have to look at, and it has a second counter, so they count everything up to the second. And if I go too far, there's a guy in my ear screaming, 20 seconds, 10, 3, come on, let's go, get out of here. So, you know, I've got to work with this guy. You know, hey, it's part of why they pay the bills. Anyway, don't go anywhere. It is Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It is Rich Valdez. It's open phone, America. So we've got you, the Americans, calling into the show. The number's 833-4-VALDES, like she just said. And uh, we're going to get to your calls. I do want to cover a couple of more pieces of audio and a couple of other uh, news items. Uh, but I do want to make sure we have time to talk with everybody that's taken the time to call in because it looks like we've got a nearly full call board, uh, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Oregon, Ohio, uh, and they just keep coming in. So let us uh, start here with Matt on WTKF in Raleigh, North Carolina. Matt, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yes, sir, Rich. I'm not in Raleigh, but that's the closest real city, like Art explained to me. Sounds um, good. But anyway, I'm in Eastern North Carolina. However, at the top of the hour, you mentioned some idiot liberal calling you up to insult you. I told Art everything I'm going to say, okay? Yep. I've asked, I've asked many national radio hosts, why do they waste their time? And they <laughs> told me, what, really, one of, them said, one of them said, Matt, what you don't know is liberal organizations pay them to harass conservative hosts. Yeah, that that's a hundred percent true. Having been, I think I might be the only uh, nationally syndicated radio host uh, in the talk conservative talk space that was a producer call screener for a number of years. I can tell you this happens all the time, and these are very concentrated campaigns. So uh, sometimes they circle around religious themes. Uh, where you'll have people that are maybe um, anti the Jewish state, against Israel, calling in and insulting people based on their faith. You'll have people calling in on just about anything, guns, or just, you know, trying to ridicule you and, and, and make it seem like, you know, you don't know what you're doing or try and, you know, trip you up somehow. Uh, but in honesty, uh, in all honesty, it is what I think, you know, a good portion of the listeners, or at least, at least a healthy small portion, a healthy minority of listeners, enjoy when we get to trade barbs, right? They uh, they enjoy the debate. They enjoy listening to that debate. It's refreshing to some people rather than, you know, getting calls that everybody agrees with. So that, that's why I always welcome them and I bring them on and I, I try to give people a lot of time. Uh, believe it or not, I get a lot of critique on this show saying, you know, you give people too much time. You give them too much time. And I say, uh, I'll, I, I try not to give them too little time because then people think I'm just talking over everybody and, and uh, you know, just, you know, stonewalling. And and that's not the case. I'm happy to have the conversation. You just got to have it quickly and in the time frame that we have. But there are people that do want to insult you. 
And there are people uh, that really um, just don't have anything better to do. And, and and that's okay. I mean, our listeners come in all shapes and sizes, and I'm happy that they're listening irrespective of their politics. Hopefully they'll learn something. I've had somebody call me for years when I was a, a local host in New York City, and um, not that long uh, ago called in and said, you know, you make sense. After listening to you for a couple of years, I think, you know, I agree with you. And this was a guy that was very, very rude, very rude. So, you know, sometimes every now and again, you know, it's like they, they trip, they fall, they hit themselves in the head, and they go, hey, you were right. Do you still do your morning show in Philly, sir? No, I don't. I don't. I'm full-time here with you guys uh, on the radio at night. I still do a weekly podcast, and thanks for asking. Uh, that's called This Is America with Rich Valdez. And, of course, there's a podcast for this radio show every day. Uh, the three-hour show is condensed into two hours, and you, if anybody missed any of the interviews that we did, you could catch them tomorrow, or if there was an interview that you liked and you want to send to a friend, you could do that. They could listen anytime they want on demand. So that's America at Night podcast, and then there's the This is America podcast. And um, um, between the two of those, I've got my hands full, Matt. Well, you're doing a great job, and uh, I think you, that's it. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to call. It's always a pleasure to hear from folks uh, on WTKF. Big shout out to everybody over there. Let's swing it the other way now. Let's go to Michael in Pendleton, Oregon on KUMA. Michael, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, Rich. Uh, hey, great show as usual. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, don't let, the, don't let those negative callers get you down. You do a great job. Thank um, you. I've heard a number of talk shows and... Uh, you're as good as any of them. Um, I, I really enjoy your guests. Um, I was calling, uh, you know, I have friends in the Ukraine I uh, talk with on mm. the Internet. And, of course, that was a great guest you had earlier. Uh, oh, yeah. Colonel, Lieutenant believe, Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer. Um, oh, my. Yes. Yes. And so, um, yeah. And I just wanted to add, um, you know, there's a show we get here in Pendleton on the weekends. Uh, Billy Cunningham, the great American. And I, oh, I love uh, him. Uh, He's terrific. Rich Valdez, you are a great American. So oh, I had thank to add you. that. I, I, yeah, you are in my book. But, um, Rich, I wanted to get um, your opinion, your take on the tanks being sent over there. Yeah. Listen, I, I think if, if you've listened for a while, I've said this before. I think we should have sent them tanks and planes a long time ago. I'm glad that we're talking about planes. I'm glad we sent the tanks. Colonel Schaefer brought up some excellent points saying, look, the, ta- the tanks are symbolic. You're sending you know, some top, top-notch Abrams tanks. That's fantastic. But he's saying that, he, in his opinion, you need a thousand tanks to make a difference. Um, I could respect that. I really could. Um, and I, I think I understand that there's a political nature of things as well. Uh, I do believe that we've given more money to the Ukraine in terms of cash and aid and whatever than we have for anything else at any other time in our history, over $100 billion and counting. So it's a big deal. And I think we should have probably went heavy on the weapons from the beginning. You'll notice that nobody, not the media, not the left, nobody criticized former President Trump when he sent them javelins and other uh, lethal aid so that they could protect themselves against an impending uh, invasion, right? Or what uh, Putin was calling an annexation. However, uh, the administration previous to Trump was sending, you know, not non-lethal aid, just, you know, humanitarian aid, blankets and other things like that, which, you know, I guess he could say, all right, we sent you some stuff, 
but it wasn't enough to make a difference. And then comes Biden. He, they're sending everything. They're sending the kitchen sink. They're sending them an invitation to, to the Congress, to the White House Christmas party. They're, they're doing all sorts of things, and we're not getting any better, and we're not making any progress. So I think what they need is air support. I think uh, maybe they need tanks too. Who knows? Uh, it doesn't seem like a tank battle, but if they need some tanks, do what you got to do. I think they need air support, and we need to get to that point. Uh, Schaefer had a, a, took a very hard-line approach and said, you know what? He really believed that Putin would use a, a dirty bomb or, or some sort of nuclear weapon against Ukraine. He's more knowledgeable on that than I am, but I would say as, as an observer of politics, purely politics, I would say I think he's out of his mind. Um, but again, I'm thinking like an America that would – that's not a paper tiger, an America that would strike back. And I don't know that we are that America today. And I think that's why Putin's emboldened. And that might be why Colonel Schaefer might be right on this, Michael. Yes. Well, I, you know, I, I hope and pray it doesn't come to that. But um, yeah, he made several good points. And, you know, um, it's just, you know, do you see a parallel with Vietnam? You know, we got involved over there and that drug on for years and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't honestly, I don't see the parallel between here and there. Uh, while many people are drawing those parallels, I, I don't see them. I do think this is something where we could get out of it very quickly. Uh, I think that the NATO element of this makes it rather unique. And it, it, we have a commitment to protect everybody that's around there, uh, minus Ukraine. So uh, I think there, there's a lot of nuance that makes it more delicate. And also that should, should scare the crap out of Vladimir Putin. Um, because it's clear if he watches the news, like I watch the news, and if he's thinking, well, that's my adversary there, Joe Biden. And if he sees what's happening with Joe Biden being under investigation with a special counsel, you know, uh, that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal. Whether it's a that's nobody's saying it's a witch hunt. Biden's not saying it's a witch hunt. Have you heard him say it once? This is a witch. He hasn't said it. He just said, no, it's, I'm not worried about it. I'm not. not. You know, he's playing it off as if it's nothing. Right. Uh, unlike when Trump was under investigation for whatever and whatnot, it was he was very clear. This is a setup. And we found out it was a setup. The whole thing was politically motivated. Biden's not saying it's politically motivated. Biden's making it seem like, no, it's normal for presidents to be investigated with their own special counsel. You've got to be kidding me. So if I'm Vladimir Putin and I'm looking at that, I say, you know what? This is no good. No bueno. Not good. This guy is weak. So Putin's got to make his move before they get rid of this guy. And I guess he, maybe he's thinking he finishes his term. Who knows? But to me, it's, it's Biden's on shaky ground. And I think it's the Democrats that are going to be the ones that are going to oust him. Anyway, I um, have to go at this moment. But thank you, Michael in Pendleton, Oregon on KUMA. Big shout out to everybody on KUMA. I am Rich Valdez. We're doing your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Voted best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. Uh, you don't want to, uh, whether you're a company or an institution, you don't want to hand over the keys um, to democracy to have someone destroy that democracy. Do, so do you want to be that institution that... Uh, 
really helps take down the country. I mean, this is a this is a business. So yes, it's a little bit different than a public institution, but we should still be asking the moral question. I mean, if this was years ago, we would ask moral questions. Do we want a chemical company as a chemical company? Should we be supporting um, weapons of war? I mean, these are questions that are not new in American history, but we should be asking them. So that's Mara Gay on Morning Joke on MSNBC, the Joe Scarborough show. And uh, her assertion is that reinstating Trump to Facebook, it may end up destroying America. And she's making these crazy apples and oranges comparisons about weapons of war and chemical companies. We're talking about a guy that was the president going on Facebook. And she's making these comparisons. I think this is absolutely insane. Let's go to Northport, Florida, and check in with our buddy Joe on WKDW. Joe, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich. How are you, man? Wonderful, brother. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, great show. Great show. I listen to you every night. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, thank um, you for yeah, calling she- in. I appreciate it. Absolutely. They're, they're absolute lunatics uh, on that show. But um, I was calling about Facebook. I, I believe that you were speaking something mm-hmm. on the uh, about where uh, that Zuckerberg, he actually I don't know if you ever heard of the movie, um, the social network. It's called. Oh, yeah, I did. I watched it. The guys that were rowing crew, the Winklevoss twins, and uh, they had this big fight with him and the Portuguese guy. Sure. Yeah, he, he actually stole the idea from the two twin brothers. And right, he had, he had to pay them uh, X amount of uh, billions of dollars or something like that. Absolutely, and, I, and it's just a shame that he gets all this credit, and he is such a, such a lefty, and I can't stand him. But, now, Joe, uh, you, I, you don't sound like a Floridian. You sound like a New Yorker. No, actually, I, I'm I'm a New Jerseyan. I've been down huh. here for two years now. I, I got I got out of there. <laughs> it's it is so crazy up there. I'm I'm a hardcore Republican, and that's just the way I am. And people can have their own opinions. That's fine. But I I will be damned that I'm going to be you know criticized by the left and everything else. They're just they're lunatics. You know, Joe. I was just having this conversation with uh, my guys in the studio. Uh, about uh, during the break. And I was saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm born in Brooklyn. We broadcast uh, f- from WFAS in New York. But, uh, you know, I, I make my my home in, in Bergen County, New Jersey, and it's nice enough, but I can't stand Jersey. Right. It's, it's, it's a lefty paradise. And uh, I'm trying to make my way to Florida. And I was saying I'm, I can't wait until the show expands into like the Miami area because uh, that's where I want to move close to the beach. And, uh, you know, and we can do things from from Miami because, um you know, Florida's just a great place to be. So I'm glad you called in. And I know I'm, I'm not alone now, right? There's others that are like me. They're saying, let's time to jump ship and get out of here. Some sand, some palm trees. God bless America. Way down, it's a free state. We got the best governor in the world. And Rich, keep up the great work. I know you got to go. Thank you so much. I love you, brother. I love you too, brother. Thanks for tuning in. Joe in Northport, WKDW. I appreciate it. Let us see. Well, now, now, here he goes again, right in my ear, banging on the door. Time to take the break. All right, so I'm going to take this break. We're going to come back. We've got lots of calls and a little bit of time, but maybe we'll do a speed round. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and 
thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. You know, when, when people with that kind of power say they have a lot of people listening, it makes me think, what, what are you talking about, like NSA? Like, who's listening to this show? What's going on here? Let's go to Pete in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Go right ahead, sir, quickly. I just want to talk about Andrew Tate, about how he was unfairly canceled by the Matrix. Sure. What's your thought on that? I don't agree with it whatsoever. I think these charges were 100% fabricated. And being in his target audience of um, lower 20-year-olds, I 100% get behind his message. And I think that's why they canceled him, because he's dangerous. He's preaching what they don't want you to hear. And that's, that's why I love him. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of people in your boat. Um, I've talked about this on the air. All I know is that uh, there was one of the stories that that stood out to me was the story that he was uh, one of his main, one of the more prominent politicians in Romania. Uh, Their daughter claimed to have had a run-in with Tate, and it was an unfavorable one. And it seems like she may have went to her dad and said, I don't like this guy. And I could tell you, I'm the dad of two daughters. And if I was a politician in Romania and my daughter said that guy did X, Y, and Z to me. Yeah. Whether it's true or not. Um, I mean, I would try my best to find out the truth, but dads have that type of instinct where they're just like, Oh yeah, who he did that? Who, what? And the next thing you know, you know, you're calling all your boys and you're laying a whooping on somebody the way you know how. So when you're a politician in Romania, the way you know how is, you know, call the prosecutor, Call this one, call that one, tell them to clean up, to not clean out the worst cell, leave it dirty. We got a new inhabitant for that. And, and and it could totally be the case. It could be a political vendetta. It could be a smear. It could be true. It could be false. I don't know. Um, I haven't heard much from it. I know he's kind of had some cryptic messages he's putting out saying the Matrix is out to get him. Uh, ultimately, that's what everybody says. And look, I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't knock him for, for, for trying to defend himself uh, if, if he's innocent. Uh, I can definitely knock him if he's guilty. And it's a shame that we have, you know, such a limited amount of facts available to us. I know I did see one video where he literally chases a girl around an apartment with a belt and he's cursing at her. And uh, the rationale behind that was that uh, she was role playing with him. I don't know if that's real or not, but I do know what I saw. And it looked pretty real. She looked pretty scared. Maybe she's an Oscar winning actress. Maybe she's not. Uh, but he looked pretty angry. He had a real belt, and uh, he was gonna look like he was gonna beat the crap out of that girl unless she uh, locked her, until she locked herself into a room. So we'll see how it goes. And again, it could have been for the cameras. He did make a fortune with girls on camera. So uh, you know, there's just so many what ifs about this whole thing. But we'll keep our ears peeled, and if there's any new news on it, uh, we'll bring it to you. And if we could get Tate on the program, I'm happy to do it. Pete in Pittsburgh, thank you so much. Let's see, where do we go from here? We only have time probably for one more. Ohio, South Carolina, South Carolina. This is such a hard one. We got Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. Let's go to Ohio and talk about the First Amendment. We haven't talked about that yet. Go right ahead, Paul. Uh, uh, Yep, I've changed what I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, Rich. Um, A great show. I love Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. I spoke with him before. Rich, what's up with this uh, Newsmax deal and direct TV just dropping them like a blow. Let me tell you something. You know, and this what? is Paul on WHIZ. Uh, Paul, I got to tell you this. I think I agree with you. I believe that this is, again, 
We're watching the same thing we saw with social media. We're now seeing with these uh, cable networks where when they want to stifle people, they can't do it by way of the government. And I hope they never find any documents where it's, you know, someone in the administration pushing them to do this stuff like we saw in the Twitter files. But I do realize that they're only doing this against one network. And it's really only one network that actually carries like all of the Trump rallies in their entirety. So it seems to me like they're trying to shut down uh, a top five network uh, in terms of their ratings, top 20 overall. And I have to say, it, it seems very fishy. It's absolutely wrong. I've been tweeting about it. I stand by Newsmax. I support the First Amendment. I think what they're doing is wrong. AT&T is scapegoating here, saying that it's about money. I think it's really about politics, and people need to speak up. Go to IWantNewsmax.com if you want to learn more and let your congressman know. IWantNewsmax.com is the website. Paul, thanks for the call. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.